Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday, usually from 3 to 6. Today, I'm on till 7. I was pushed back a little bit because it's the last weekend of Clark Howard's Christmas Kids. Tomorrow, actually, is the last day, your last chance to do uh, participate in his great program that gets foster kids the things that are on their Christmas wish list. So if you want to do that, you can go to ClarkHoward.com for the details. Clark will be at the Walmart on Cobb Parkway from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. tomorrow. And Mark Aram and Belinda Skelton will be uh, at the Walmart in Lilburn from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. tomorrow. So you can participate in that. I just heard at the top of the hour a uh, quote from... Obama, a new, he just came out talking about climate change. He said, no nation can solve this problem alone. And it reminded me of uh, the report from Iron Mountain. I got a post on my Facebook, my Facebook today from Ed saying I'm obsessed with JFK. I'm completely not obsessed with JFK, but I'm totally obsessed with the report from Iron Mountain because it's just chock full of the crazy stuff the government does to get its policies passed. It was a nonfiction bestseller on the New York Times list in the 60s. Later, they said it was a hoax, but I've done my homework. I personally don't think it was a hoax, but if you go in there, you will find that it says, if we could gin up a global environmental hoax and get the scientific community to close ranks and never tell the truth, it would be a great way to convince people there's a need for world government. So I'm not saying that's what's really going on, but when you hear people say that the environmental thing is a hoax, they're talking about the report from Iron Mountain. So if you haven't read it, you should download the PDF. It's like 80 pages. It will blow your mind. But we were talking about Obama's speech from earlier this week where he said, we're going to double down on terrorists everywhere. We're going to train and equip tens of thousands of Iraqis and Syrians. He says to fight ISIL, I think to fight Assad. He said, uh, we will double down on information sharing, on uh, basically figuring out how to control the online community so people don't get radicalized. I think it's so we don't have political power. That's what I think. Uh, But there are a lot of things in his speech about what he's really going to do that I think if you just scratch the surface a little bit, you'll see that it means escalation of war, increase in the surveillance state, and uh, some, some totally unconstitutional, unchecked control on who can have guns. But the fourth thing he said he was doing, and then he said there were, so I said three things previously, if you want to get my podcast, it'll be on MonicaPerezShow.com early in the week. Uh, he said four things he was doing and then three things he was asking Congress to do. But the fourth thing he said, I covered the first three already, the fourth thing that he said I think is the most important because it says, he said, fourth, the American leadership, the international community has begun to establish a process and timeline to pursue ceasefires and a political resolution to the Syrian war, political resolution to the Syrian war, 
Doing so will allow the Syrian people and every country, including our allies, but also countries like Russia. So that's kind of a uh, big talk, kind of a, a, a antagonistic phrase and every word counts. Uh, for everybody to focus on the common goal of destroying ISIL, a group that threatens us all. So what he's saying is we need a political resolution to the Syrian war, which he has said and his administration has said many times, means regime change. You must take out Assad. That's what they're saying. And he's making it clear in this statement that first you must take out Assad, then we can worry about ISIS later. That's because that's where his priority is. And here's the thing. You really, when we do stuff like this, first of all, when we take out secular Arab leaders, it spreads terrorism like wildfire. Look at Libya, look at Iraq. It's ridiculous. It's, you really have to only get your news from the mainstream media to not know what really goes on. Uh, and our activities right now are spreading terrorism in Syria from, from our allies, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey. You know the story. I've told you before. But there's something in this that I think nobody ever talks about. And that is, when you're talking about regime change, you're talking about taking out a ruler of a sovereign country. And you can say they didn't really want him. They, he got 95% of the election results were for him. Some people said it was a good election. Some people said it wasn't. Some people said Obama, Bush, Putin. People have questioned all the different elections. But there's a basic political tenet that the consent of the governed is required, that no tyranny dictatorship nothing no regime can stay in place without the consent of the governed and i think gandhi proved that by saying hey just sit down and see what happens some people got hurt but and died but it affected regime change because you must have this consent of the governed you that's the essence of sovereignty you can't get involved over there you don't really know what's going on you cannot require regime change you must respect their sovereignty you it is their problem they have to just sit down if that's what they don't want and we need to mind our own business but i'm going to go to uh johnny in snellville hi johnny you're on with monica hey monica i love the show how's it going thank you you are at freedom act radio correct on twitter yes that's correct yeah so if you want to hear some of the great things that johnny has to tweet Check that out. We sometimes communicate on Twitter. If you follow me at Monica Perez Show, you can hear that, too. So tell me what you got. You always have a good psychological insight. Well, yeah, I wanted to kind of like, you know, it's not what they say. You kind of alluded to this. It's not what they say in the speeches. It's, it's what they communicate. And uh, here's what here's what he communicated, basically, in the first part of that speech to me, is that as the holiday seasons come around, we need to be very afraid because radical Islam is a real threat, and the Internet has made it easier for people to poison the minds of your Muslim friends, neighbors, and coworkers. And while we shouldn't push these potential murderous killers away, you do see the victims, you do see your family in the faces of the victims at Paris and San Bernardino, so they might very well walk into your house or walk into your place of business and kill you. However, be very nice to them. Now go out and buy a whole bunch more guns, and I'll create some chaos that can make you just pull them out and start firing away. See, Johnny, when you say stuff like that and it sounds funny, it's, like, disturbing because that it, this is stuff we should not be laughing about. But I know that what, we're la- what, what is funny, though, is 
that when you know a little bit about how propaganda works, you can see that what he's saying has all these emotional triggers. That's why I didn't even look at the first half. I didn't even talk about the first half of the speech because I print it out. It's so much easier when you're just looking at it in black and white. You're like, that doesn't say anything. That doesn't say anything. But yes, it 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 is talking out of both sides of the mouth. And especially when they start with the the bullying thing, you don't want to make them mad. It's like, what? Right. right. And, and he makes clear, like, he, he, he pretends to, like, try to tell people to not, he plants things in people's heads that they never would have thought of in the first place. So people are watching this thing, and they might have a Muslim friend or neighbor, and, and they might have never in the world thought anything wrong with them. But then they listen to this speech where he emphasizes that these radicals can, in fact, get, get uh, you know, infiltrate them and poison their minds. He uses the word poison, and then he connects it to people's families, and he actually goes, as the father of two young daughters who are the most precious part of my life, which I didn't believe that sentence at all. Well, not we, to mention they're not an actual danger. He was like, well, they, something might happen to them at a Christmas party. It's like, you know what? Exactly, we see yeah. your Christmas parties, and you guys have tons of people with guns around you. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. You're not worried. And other people don't. And, For the and, rest and of he, his life. Right. And he goes on to say, I know, I know we see our kids in the faces of the young people killed. And the fact is that people yes. watching that speech, they probably, some of them might have, but most of them probably did not have that thought cross their mind until he planted it in their mind. You know, it's funny because it's it's actually lost on the people who are affected by that. I had a guy tell me, uh, he, he I didn't really know him, but he said, I, I just want you to know I'm a normal guy, I'm an American guy, happens to be a Muslim, and what the Republicans are saying scares me. And I was like, really? That's your message to me? Vote Democrat? Like, what are you, are you seriously not seeing how they are just the way they silence the anti-war left? They make you think they're on your side by saying things like, don't hate Muslims, and then, and then creating the circumstances that make it much worse? Exactly, yeah. It's the equivalent of telling somebody not to think about a purple elephant. <laughs> oh my gosh, to, purple elephant just popped up. Yes. So uh, I just, I've always used the touchstone, well, it's a complete um, hackneyed phrase, but the proof is in the pudding. So see what happens. I said this when Edward Snowden came out. I said, you know, I have a feeling things are going to get worse, not better, even though this guy came out. And he, it did, which made me think he was up to no good. Like, uh, not because he told us this stuff, but because telling us this stuff was going to get us used to the surveillance. Like, funny enough, we didn't really worry when they passed the USA Freedom Act, which was an expansion, in a way, of the USA Patriot Act. So I always say, look, the proof is in the pudding. If you're better off, that's great. If if you're not, you have to wonder if they meant to do it that way. Exactly. And like you said a few minutes ago, these things are very strategic. They plan the words very carefully. They have the best behavioral research, uh, crowd psychology research of of anybody. They know how people are going to react. So they know that when Barack Obama speaks, more people are going to go buy guns and more people are going to uh, be anxious um, that something could happen in their workplace. So and I think Trump like- knows that, too. Like I, when Trump said that really bombastic thing, he knew that that was going to get him tons and tons of attention. I always feel like he has the psychologist working, too. I mean, he's a businessman. He knows how to get yeah, it done. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just posted, thank you so much for the call, Johnny. I just posted on my website, this is what drew the comment that I'm obsessed with JFK. He wrote in 1959 as a senator how TV can turn uh, 
can create political shows like game shows. And this was in the wake of the $64 million or $1,000 question that was fixed. He said the political game can be fixed. The political game can be rigged. And TV uh, is like the magic show. It was very interesting. So you can go to my Facebook page through my website, MonicaPredShow.com. I'm going to get to Steve right after the break. He wants to talk about the American experiment. I said something about American exceptionalism, which people a lot of times confuse with me criticizing the American experiment. I'm totally down for the American experiment. I want to talk to Steve about that. And you, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Back talking about Obama's speech from Sunday where he told us so far what he is doing, but he also tells us what uh, he wants Congress to do. I'm going to get to that at the bottom of the hour. I'll give you a hint. My nickname for what he wants is a no-guns list. I think you can fill in the blanks, but there are a few other things, too. I'm going to Steve in Atlanta. Hi, Steve. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, it's awful that I only get to listen to you one, one day a week. That needs well, to change. Maybe it'll change, and you can always listen to the podcast if you miss the show. And uh, yes, but we'll see about that. So you were talking about the uh, the American experiment and how there was no compromise between a Democrat, uh, a liberal mentality, and a uh, and sort of a conservative mentality. Well, let me and, just uh, say what uh, I'll let you talk, but I, I want to say um, my position is this. You have the left, you have the right, they have their own interests. George Washington said you can never get people to vote against their own interests. And I'm saying that the compromise position is we don't we don't give anybody their interests. We don't give you the welfare state, we don't give you the mm-hmm. warfare state, we're just going to have liberty. That's the compromise. Mm-hmm. Okay, go. I, I, I became so obsessed when they were coming out with Obamacare that I went to D.C. twice. I, I went three times! Aside. I might have seen you there. <laughs> went to rallies and everything. But I wrote this thing called uh, a legislative initiative, and, then I, and I called it the American Care Card. And, and uh, Democrats wouldn't like it because it would end the social state. Uh, but basically, if, in a nutshell, if you could think of every, every uh, entitlement you could possibly think of, everything from food stamps, Section 8 housing, health care, you name it, the entire gamut, um, homeschooling, everything. And, and uh, basically what would happen is it would all be private. There would still be the exchange, except it would be run by private big companies like Google and whatever. Um, and, and basically anybody who needed an entitlement of any kind would be assigned on a county level uh, with a life coach. And that life coach company, which got the contract from the county, would be uh, parsed with, the, uh, with the, uh, the responsibility of, on behalf of the taxpayers in the county and the state, for that county in particular, um, with all the money they get from you know all the various sources the the the, uh, the federal government the state and the county and local taxes they would allocate the funds to people who needed assistance. The catch-all is that their job is to get them working and productive and off of assistance. Then after that, once they have a job, they pay back ten percent out of every paycheck until their balance is paid prime plus one percent. I think they do have to pay back welfare. I'll tell you, Steve, how that was pretty much the exact system that went on before the welfare state. They were called 
mutual aid societies and they would be communities where everybody in the neighborhood would pitch in and if somebody got hurt or needed some help they would get that help and then after a while the other guys in the neighborhood would come around and be like why is that guy still on the couch they would get them up and at him because they were monitoring it in real time i love this idea of bringing it down to the smallest possible level in Catholicism, they call it subsidiarity, that the more local the problem is addressed, the more you can address it personally and make sure those people are getting what they need and doing what they need to do. So I would I like your plan, except for I would take the government out of it. So uh, I do appreciate that. Um, I love brainstorming. And it's funny that you two went to. Uh, Washington to fight against Obamacare. I did that three times. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see it says, uh, my sign said, tyranny today, revolution tomorrow. So that was a good little uh, excursion. It did no good at all. And that's because they're not working for us. And then Nancy Pelosi laughed at how they uh, bamboozled us. Anyway, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get to John at the bottom of the hour. He wants to know, how do we reverse the media influence. It's a big problem. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian on WSB normally, 3 to 6 on Saturdays. I'm on until 7 tonight. And I'm talking about Obama's speech from Sunday. He told us what he was doing to escalate the war in Syria, what he was doing to escalate the total uh, information awareness project that of our government against the citizens here at home. He didn't use those words, but that's what it used to be called under Bush. Just go to Wikipedia, total information awareness. It's logo... Its motto was in Latin, but it meant knowledge is power. And its logo is, I'm not kidding, the all-seeing eye from like the Illuminati thing with like an eyeball laser beam encompassing the whole globe. Uh, It's just kooky. So I call him the surveillance president. And uh, I'm about to tell you, this is the stuff he was doing. And I'm about to tell you how he's calling upon Congress to uh, do some stuff that will diminish our Second Amendment rights. But first, I want to take some calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to John in Conyers. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. How are you? Oh, fine. Uh, I have a question, and I don't, I'm not trying to stump you, but I was hoping that you would have an answer, and I just want to set the stage, if I may. Um, the media sets up these polls with all the presidential candidates, which I believe are phony polls, and then they have all these talk show hosts that get on the air and talk about only the three or four top candidates over and over and over with the rest of the media. And that develops a strong influence only towards those three or four top candidates, which influences the public. And Let me stop you there for a second, John. I, w- I want to hear oh, the rest, sure. but I got to tell you, I hear those polls, and I was starting to smell a rat too, but they come from so many different directions 
that I can't really find a smoking gun. Although I will say that a lot of institutions, think tanks, academic, political, all that stuff, you can trace them all back to kind of the same basic entity. So I, a lot of them are, are connected, but I haven't done the work. But just as a gut instinct, I'm beginning to wonder about the polls myself. So go ahead, keep going. Well, I think they're all rigged, first of all. And like I said, they just talk about the three top candidates over and over and over. And these three top candidates only want to play a shell game with the tax code. And everyone forgets what the, gov- the primary function of our government should be, which is to just defend our borders with a strong military. And they black out Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, and he has the most basic and formidable plan for the country and everybody else never gets to hear that fair choice and it makes so much sense we are influenced by the media i like we reverse that i like ron paul even more i'll I'll tell you that trump trump is an example of what you're talking about he seems like an outsider but this week especially i found that and of course the muslim comment was really uh, people hated it within the GOP and stuff like that. But but he used this media to say stuff like, if you see something, say something, which happened to be a meme that's being pushed by the establishment, by the media over the past week or two, or ever since the Paris attacks. I talked about it last week on my show, and then he comes out parroting that stuff as if that's his deal. That's how, he, yeah, if you give me the press, I'll I'll say... I'll go along with the talking points. I have no evidence of that, but it just, when you hear it, it seems so within that box. And I think Rand Paul tried to get into that box thinking that it would help, that they would reward him with a little more attention, but instead it made him lose a little credibility with the libertarians. So I always look to Ron Paul for the guy who's going to give you the pure theory, but Rand Paul was playing the game, but they they just don't want it. He makes too much sense, and that would be a real problem for the parts of the Republican Party that still are kind of traditional conservative or what they called classical liberal. People think that means liberal, but it doesn't. It means like what our founders were, liberal meaning freedom. There are a lot of people like that still in the Republican Party, but uh, that's why they don't want his message getting out. It would be too powerful. So, but... You know, your question was, how do we counter the media influence? And yeah, I'll I'll tell you just this one thing is I, I, I think just using your mind, I think if you absolutely people say they don't trust the media, they don't trust the government. If you really mean that, don't even believe the facts that you think they're telling you. I read a case in Florida where a woman was awarded uh, one. She was a journalist in Florida. One, because she was fired by Fox, a Fox TV affiliate down there, for they were pressuring her to change the facts about how much cow hormones or whatever were in the local cows. Because, according to the lawsuit, Monsanto pressured Fox, Roger Ailes, to pull the story, and they pressured her to do it. She won, but then the appeals court overturned it and said there is no responsibility in the media of telling the truth. That was this was a Florida case. And my if you think of it that way, that even if you fought them against something that was untrue, you would not win the way there was a big case where cops uh, cannot be held liable for not helping you. 
that's not really their primary, they're not responsible for doing that, then you start to realize that it's not the truth. And if people do that, the reason I think it would be so powerful is how desperately the government wants to control the media more than they want to control your guns. They really need to control the story. And that's why not falling for that is is the only way to to weaken it, kind of Gandhi style. Just just sit out. Just don't participate. Thank you so much for the call, John. I'm going to Reggie. Indicator. Hi, Reggie. You're on with Monica. How you doing, Monica? Happy uh, long time no hear or see from. Yes, thank you for calling, Reggie. I remember you from when I was on Sundays. What you got for me? Well, I would just like to say that, to reiterate John's point, why is it that so many people believe what the media tells them instead of, instead of doing their own research via Internet, you know, Google or whatnot? Yeah, and you can't, not all of it's true, 90% of that is disinformation, but you can get really good at seeing the patterns and pulling out the truth. You can do it. You just have to try. Yes, and pe- most people don't want to do that. Most well, and they're busy. Yes, they're busy or they just don't want to do the hard work of researching. As John would say, you only, you only, uh, you only get these radio and TV talk show hosts who only talk about what's on the surface instead of what's underneath it or what's behind the scenes, if, if you know what I mean. Yep. You only get those people that talk about what's on the surface, but they don't, you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Look behind the curtain to see behind the scenes, right? Yes, and I think that was supposedly an allegory for what was really going on. Yes, it was. And people just don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. When you try to tell them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help them God use in heaven, they just look at you, laugh at you, shun you and turn you away, make laugh and make fun of you and even even insult you. Reggie, have you ever been to my Facebook page? <laughs> no, I haven't. I get a lot of that. Anytime I really it's uh you really have to screw up your courage to get out there and discuss this stuff openly because people will call you names. Yes, they will call you names. And you know, you got most people like you said, the most of these exact same people that I just referred to or shall we say, media whores for the corporate media, for the corporate mainstream, mainstream media, news media, you know, radio. So, some social. people just, they get trained, and I think a lot of uh, this happens in academia too. You get trained to please your bosses. You get trained to say what they want you to say, I, and, and I don't even think you have to think beyond that. I actually put a word in my glossary recently, ethical glass ceiling, that at a certain point you're like, well, this is fine. I'm not going to think any more about it. That way you get to do what you want to do without feeling guilty. Yes, but isn't that, isn't that lying to people? I think it's lying to yourself. I think exactly. they're really mostly lying to themselves. Right. I mean, you want to get the truth out there. Isn't that the, isn't the, isn't the journalist's job is to be a watchdog, not a lapdog? Yeah, but I think they, like, look at Cheryl Atkinson. She said, uh, blew the lid off Operation Fast and Furious, and she had nothing but trouble since then, unless that was a game, I don't know. But she certainly seemed to have suffered for calling attention to something that they didn't want out there. Yes, that's true. And, you know, and we need to, uh, like we said, like I said before, like Johnny once said before he got off the phone, we need to be more vigilant when it comes to the media, you know. Not not take everything at face value, believe everything that they say, you know, watch, yeah. read, or hear. You know what I'm saying? I agree. I th- and, and just because it comes from a mainstream media source doesn't mean you don't need to 
look for evidence to actually make sure that what they're saying, if it's from an anonymous source, a government anonymous source, you can just throw that in the garbage. That doesn't mean anything. And don't accept a whole story in a big newspaper based on non-evidence. That's And so that's what I would say uh, is what's really uh, is how to start. I want to just real quickly tell you the things that Obama said we should do, what he wants Congress to do. I am, I'm going to take some more calls. Hang on, Chris, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But let me just tell you these few things so you know what's, what's coming. He said, uh, Obama said, Congress should act to make sure no one on a no-fly list is able to buy a gun. What could possibly be the argument for allowing a terrorist suspect to buy a semi-automatic weapon? This is a matter of national security. But here's the thing, and I had a caller last week that that tricked me. I heard terrorist watch list, and I heard uh, he said terrorist watch list, but I heard terrorist. The people on the terrorist watch list have never had a chance to defend themselves. They've never been accused in court. They've never been convicted of anything, the no-fly list, all that stuff. And here's the problem. Even if they mean well, even if right now Obama is totally sincere that these people, they really think they're terrorists, as soon as you get carte blanche to take the guns away from anybody on that list, you're going to have someone like Eric Holder who only, I mean, he's out of office now, but just a personality like that, we heard last week who just his only goal is to get guns away from people. And he would use this and, and justify it by saying that uh, this has to be done. Anybody you want to not have a gun, right wing nut jobs, whatever, you know, he, that he would say, ah, that guy's my terrorist. That guy's a terrorist. If you ask me, I'm putting him on the list. And then it's a no guns list. And it's very serious to take away people's right to self-defense. It's the only civil right that we really have. There's one law. Don't touch me or my stuff. And there is one way for a woman or somebody weaker than a thug, a brute, to defend oneself. It's the equalizer. It's the it's the gun. So you can't that's a very serious step. And he's calling for that and it's and it it's really totally unconstitutional. And uh, there's a little bit more. I'm not sure I'm going to get to it, but I am going to get to uh, Chris's call right after the break. 404-872-0750. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 955 and AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up, and I'm going to Chris and Ackworth. Hi, Chris. You are on with Monica Perez. I just want to thank you for taking my call. I've been dismissed by national shows and a few local shows about this topic, but regarding the San Bernardino shooting, I watched it unfold live on television because I was working in a house that had the television on the whole time, and I watched every single eyewitness described three tall men dressed in black with weapons go in and shoot up the place. I saw the witnesses who saw them flee describe three tall men. They were talking about that on CNN. I remember distinctly because the guy was implying that they were like uh, militiamen, sovereign citizen guys. Well, how did it go? Even the witnesses who saw them flee in a black vehicle said three tall men. Some of them said white men, but they all agreed it was three yeah. tall men. And how the wife go, is was short, right? Five three. How did, exactly. How did it go from three tall men to one tall dude and his petite Muslim wife half his size? And I don't know, but about, the, I, well, there's an attorney for the family 
who was on, I think, Chris Cuomo, or Chris Cuomo was asking him a question at a press conference, and he said he he thought they might be framed. Well, we're being lied to. I believe those people were part of a much larger terror cell that the Obama administration knows about that's in the U.S., and they don't want us to know about it before the election. Well, I don't think there's... Well, what makes you think that? They dredged this lake uh, yesterday uh, based on video footage they said they had of the lake uh, two days prior to the attack. If they've got video at that lake, where's the video of that government building? I can't believe that there's no video of those. See, I don't think, I mean, I think if there's something screwy going on, it's more like that. This was not as big, you know, I, I don't know. I did not dig into this that because... was the getaway driver. She drove the vehicle. She drove See, I don't, I don't know if there's any evidence of any of that. I, this is my problem with that situation, is that there's like virtually, besides those eyewitness accounts, there's like no evidence of anything. I noticed that the helicopters now, there's one helicopter instead of 10 helicopters. They all consolidate for the news. So you just... You can't know the story. There's no evidence out there. So, but I decided not to go down the rabbit hole with all this stuff because it can really obsess you. It can really take a lot of time. And I think people should be skeptical about stories without getting some evidence. But when they talk about the policies, I I feel like we're not going to know the answers on that stuff. Let's look at our principles, go back to our principles and say, hey, man, I don't know what's going on, but I know if we minded our own business, we would be safer. And if we had our Second Amendment rights and all the rights in the Bill of Rights totally preserved, that we would uh, we would be able to defend ourselves. I am going to give Kevin and Milton one minute, not even. Can you give it to me in a nutshell? Monica, I can. Two two quick points. One is that no fly list. People hear that and they think are the uh, the terrorist list. They think it's a list of names, dates of birth, social security numbers, their IDs, their names. That's it. I had a friend that took him two years to get off that list because he happened to share a name that has yes. to be a common Anglo-Saxon. Yes, name. I had trouble after I first got married. That is true, and they told me it was it was somebody else, but I had trouble. Well. Let me, let me make this even more poignant. Janet Napolitano, Homeland Security, years ago, if you remember, she said what she had a concern with being terrorists were white males, Christians that carried Bibles and went to church, and those that had guns and food. Yeah, and under her watch, they're not, it wasn't her, but it was in a, in a state, they had Ron Paul bumper stickers as something, as a flag for domestic terrorism. That's all the time I have. I'll be back next week. My show's on Saturday, 4 to 6. You can follow me at Twitter. I follow back at Monica Perez Show or like me on Facebook through my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.